Hi, I'm Madhuri Krishnan, editor of Skift Airline Weekly, and welcome to the podcast. We're doing something a little bit different with the podcast now. We're bringing you audio of our weekly live stream, Mondays with Skift Airline Weekly, which we broadcast every week, every Monday, at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Join us next week. We'll take your questions while we discuss the hottest topics in the airline industry. You can register at forum.skift.com. joined today by... uh, a man who needs really no introduction, but I'll introduce him anyway. Brett Snyder, also known as the Cranky Flyer, who runs the Cranky Concierge Air Travel Assistance Company and is the author of the very popular Cranky Flyer blog. Good morning, Brett. Morning, Madhu. So um, I want to, before we start, I want to encourage anyone who's listening to ask questions using the chat function and the, the live stream. We will be um, We will be posting a replay of this later in the day on our site, airlineweekly.com, and distributing it as a podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast later in the week. And while you're at airlineweekly.com, check out uh, uh, check us out. If you don't subscribe, drop us an email at airlineweekly at airlineweekly.com. Brett, let's talk yeah. about one of your more uh, recent posts on Cranky Flyer about, I guess the question is to mask or not to mask, right? I mean, you wrote a very interesting and piece in which you took a very definite point of view about social distancing on aircraft and how the airlines kind of dug themselves into a hole. What, what, tell, tell me more about that. Okay. First of all, why is this even a question to mask or not to mask? <laughs> wear a mask. This isn't, the airline have said, wear a mask. It's not like it's that much of a burden. Like, I understand if there are a certain number of people that for some medical reason they can't wear a mask. I would question why they're traveling if they can't actually <laughs> wear a mask. Uh, but, but like, I don't understand. I've seen pushback from people. Oh, it's, it's horrible. I can't do that. There is no downside. It's not like we're asking you to cut your arm off or something. <laughs> it's, it's so weird to me. I don't get it at all. Um, but, you know, I, I guess back to your point about social distancing. Yes. Like you can't social distance if you're going to fly. It, it's not possible. You'll be in the airport. Did you see the the security lines this weekend? <laughs> like, yeah, and I was with social distancing. <laughs> yeah. But there are people everywhere and it's just the way it is. And, um, you know, when you're boarding on the airplane, even though, Southwest is boarding in groups of 10. Okay, well, you're still around nine other people. Uh, and and then you get on the airplane and the six foot radius, it, it doesn't happen. Um, I, I kind of drew a line. I, I did a little terrible diagram on my website. <laughs> it, it shows on a 737, for every one seat that's full, you need 14 empty seats if you're going to truly keep six feet distance between people and that's just not going to happen so the middle seat thing i understand people don't like middle seats they never have but you still are going to be around a whole bunch of other people including someone in the aisle which is just a little bit further from you uh so you know the the reality is if you're going to fly on an airplane then you can't perfectly social distance so there are going to be some risks uh but if everyone wears a mask you further mitigate those risks, and then you just have to make that decision if it's the right time for you to fly or not. Well, Brett, let's let's pause there. I want to get back to the mask thing, but uh, you know, when, when I was reading your, when I was reading your site, blazing. <laughs> when I was reading, and if anyone's wondering about my uh, 
my uh, snazzy t-shirt. It is oh. a representation of Narita Airport from the Cranky Flyer. Go to crankyconcierge.com. Um, but anyway, Brett, when I was reading your post and when we were talking about this, uh, let's illustrate it for listeners, right? I mean, if you, to, to get the government or the recommended two meters or six feet distance between passengers, let's say on a typical 737, you, if you're in say, um, 20 F that's a window seat, where do the passengers to, to maintain social distance? This is the two meter distance. Where do the passengers around you have to be? Okay, so um, so you have to sit everyone in windows because if someone's in an aisle, then you don't have six feet in both directions. Right. But if someone's in 20F, you could also have someone in 20A. So then you've yeah. got that, right? right. But um, So six feet, that's uh, 72 inches, right? And you think of seat pitch. So seat pitch, call it 30 inches if you want to make it easy on yourself. Um, so, you know, it, it's, that means 30 inches from you to the face in front of you, and then another 30 inches to the face in front of you, that's still only 60. So you're still not at 72. So you have to do another 30 inches. So it's, it's that third row. So, you know, if, if you're in row 20, then no one can be in 19 or 18, and then you can have 17 A and F again, but then also <laughs> no one can be in 21 or 22. So you're in right. 23 A and, you know, th- there are a bunch of different factors involved in this, right? Because you have seat backs that may impact whether it goes to you or not. But, man, if someone behind you is hacking away without a mask on, uh, there's probably a pretty good chance over your five-hour flight that something's going to get to you. Um, you know, so that's why that's why the masks are important and stuff like that. But I, I think people do get a little more worried, though, about this idea they talk about recycled air so you know if there's one person sick on the airplane everyone's going to get sick but that, that's not really the case they have hepa filters that pulls it out so in my mind it's really more about the uh it's more about just who's within your six right. feet radius as opposed to uh you know what the airflow is doing which you might worry about in say a restaurant what the airflow is doing but on the airplane that, that doesn't seem to be much of a concern right well you know in in your post and and if you think about this, like airlines, when when shelter and pay, place orders in the U.S. started coming down and um, and people stopped traveling, airlines um, really touted that they're blocking middle seats, and yeah. JetBlue is continuing to block middle seats till I think the Fourth of July weekend. Um, uh, and you made the point, and it is kind of true. The airlines sort of dug themselves in a hole, right? I mean, now they've got. You know, now when you see like when was it two weeks ago, there was a flight, a United flight that went viral on social media. Uh, people saying like, "How dare United not social distance on their, their mm-hmm. aircraft?" I mean, what what was the? Do you think the airlines made a mistake early on with blocking with saying? Oh that, yeah. Okay, explain that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they legitimized the complaint, and, and I'm I'm not suggesting that. Of course, look if if you have someone in a metal seat then sure, that's one more person that could infect you in theory than if the middle seat was empty. But that still doesn't account for the with 13 other people that are within your your six foot radius, right? Or 10 other people, whatever it is. I, I didn't, you know, <laughs> we can do the math if we right. want to really get, I'll get a whiteboard out. Start <laughs> um, 
But so when the airline said, oh, we're blocking seats to protect you, they legitimize this, that that actually does protect people and it becomes important for them. And so now, I mean, yeah, that one on United, man, go on social media. It's every every day because the the schedules have been cut so much that you do have more full flights now. And they're not even all that full. I mean, you'll see, it's hilarious to me. I've done a little bit of this looking at things where you see someone say, oh, this flight's not you know, this flight's totally full. This is awful. They're not social distancing. And then you actually get the loads and it's, oh, actually, no, it's not even that full. It's just <laughs> there. It's just, you need like 10% load factor to properly distance. So, um, so yeah. So in, in my mind, when the airline said, we're going to block seats, they came at it thinking, oh, this is going to make pe- people feel comfortable and we're not full anyway. So who cares? But what they really did was legitimize the idea that blocking a middle seat is going to somehow keep you safe. And if it's not blocked, you're going to die of the plague. And and so now that's what people have in their minds. And it's, you know, how do you get out of that? Right. I mean, also, they by doing so, so, they really dug themselves in a hole because it's not sustainable to to run an airline with two thirds capacity. Right. 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 I mean, if that's I mean, the max you can get, right, is two thirds of the aircraft. And, yeah. the, you know, not every flight will be full. They really, I mean, that's just not a sustainable business. And that's if you're lucky, because this isn't really just middle seats. It's they're saying we're not going to seat anyone next to you. So JetBlue on those Embraer 190s, which already were awful. I mean, not from a passenger experience, but, you know, economically, like not the best airplanes here. Now they're, they can't run more than 50 percent. Right. Because they're blocking every other seat. I mean, that's uh, that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> that's really. I mean, so it becomes kind of a, as you said, they legitimized, legitimized this notion that an aircraft should be two thirds full or half. Right. Full, depending on the type. Um, and then and are getting blowback for not following that. Um, yeah. So is it is this now a PR problem for the air? I mean, is this is the solution a PR problem? Um, yeah, I mean, they dug their grave, right? Like, I don't know how you get out of this is the problem. And, and I think, I mean, look, I, I see this question here about charging to keep an empty seat, an empty middle seat, um, which, you know, Frontier did that immediately backed it up because right. I think kind of lost their minds. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, that may be the right solution because economically you can't do that and say, look, if you want an empty middle seat, you can do that. And, you know, maybe we'll go into this uh, as like a, we'll give you a little discount or something to block that seat. I don't know. You can also revenue manage that and see how full you expect the flight to be. Yeah. But, uh, but, as but you it's really- that's a PR problem as well for the airlines, because uh, and to answer your question, Anonymous, um, you know, when Frontier tried it here in the States, you know, char- I, they were charging a discount for the middle seat, as I remember, right? Yeah, they, they were. Like, I think what? it started at like $19, but I don't yeah. know exactly. Yeah. It lasted two days. I mean, they, they can't, they were called, they were told they were profiteering off a, a pandemic and, and right. blowback on social media was intense. So, um, so. But it was I mean, Congress. I think Congress is what really got them. Oh, that's right. Because, that's right. It was that, it was yeah. a hearing in, um, in the Senate. Well, they just started jumping on them and, you know, what are you going to do at at some point? You just say, all right, fine, this isn't worth it. But but I I don't know how you get out of this because 
when do people feel comfortable again? Uh, you know, wearing masks should help if you can really explain to people that this, you know, reduces the range of where if someone coughs, it'll right. catch not all of it. Right. I mean, it doesn't eliminate risk entirely, but it, it helps. So, you know, that can do something. But ultimately, when airplanes are back at 85 percent loads across the board with a lot of full flights, how do you get people to feel comfortable with that? short of a vaccine or a cure or herd immunity, whatever it might be. Uh, I don't know, because now everyone's just got this beaten into their heads that this is a horribly unsafe thing to do, which yeah. it's really not, I mean, compared to other things anyway. Well, I, I before we get to this next question, I wanted to ask you about, let's talk a little bit more about masks. And that's become a cultural flashpoint in the U.S. and we don't need to get into that. But, you know, the issue... In our industry, in the airline, in the in the industry we love here is um, is that there is no sort of federal regulation in the U.S. mandating right. masks, and although the unions, I mean Alpa, the Airline Pilots Association, the AFA have have sort of have called on the governments to on the government to make it to mandate it, but it's really up to the airlines, and um, that it's not being uh, routinely enforced, right? I mean, what what yeah. Yeah, that so so right. So the air it's an airline policy. It's mm -hmm. there's nothing federal. I wouldn't expect there to be something federal, uh, but you know, that would probably at least help clear up some of the confusion around this. Um, but yeah, the the airlines don't they don't want to get into that position of enforcing this kind of thing because the chances are if look, if you've already offered them a mask, because most airlines, I, I believe, have are bringing extras on board, right? And they won't do it, or if they're wearing it and then they decide, okay, I'm on the plane now, I can take it off, whatever it might be. Chances are they're doing that just because, you know, they it, they either think it's infringing on their rights as an American or, you know, whatever it might be. It's not likely to end well if you try to enforce that. Um, and the airlines don't want to be in that position. I mean, we the, the example, you know, you can look at the Dr. Dow incident on United. Right. That wasn't even the airline enforcing it. That was the Chicago Transit Police, right? right. And, and still, United got destroyed for it. Yeah. Now, let, let's forget about their bungled response after the fact on that. But, um, but still, you know, it's not even like the flight attendants had done anything. They actually called someone on to handle it. Um, and... You know, it doesn't matter. You you don't want to take that risk. And I think the other thing is, too, if if you're in the air and someone refuses to do it and you say, all right, are we going to divert for this? Right. I mean, you've already got how much time where this person isn't wearing a mask. So what's the incremental risk uh, of just going to your final destination and instead of diverting? And, you know, it's expensive. Last thing the airlines need is more expense. And can you imagine uh, the the social media skewering airline and airline oh, get for diverting because yeah. one passenger didn't wear a mask. Right. So they're in a sort of impossible situation here uh, with that. I mean, I, the best they can do is put the policy out as they have. And then I, I think they should make uh, as many efforts as they can to offer masks, remind people to wear their masks, uh, whatever that may be, you know, in a, in a policy. I don't, I don't know how they would exactly put that together, but something like that. And then after that, you just kind of have to say, all right, I don't know what to do about this unless the feds want to make it an actual law. 
then it's a different story. So bottom line, wear a mask when you travel. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to get to this, this listener question because um, it has to do with middle seats. Um, surely the airlines can charge a fare for the seat given that it's not being used. I guess, will it be taxed because it's not being used as for passage? Um, mm. What do you, do you know, Brett? I mean, I would assume it would because I know, you know, you, you already have extra seat policies at every airline now based on like passengers of size yeah. and, and stuff like that. Um, and as far as I know, those get taxed the same. Uh, now, internationally, I don't know, maybe certain taxes might not apply. That that would probably require some sort of deeper dive into that. Um, but, you know, it, it's also when you charge for middle seat, it's interesting that, that Frontier is the one that's doing that because or was the one that was doing that. Because one thing you do lose is ancillaries. Right. <laughs> and so for the low cost guys like Frontier Spirit, for them to do that, they have a lot more at risk. Yeah. Uh, because they have no opportunity to to sell anything else to that empty middle seat. Yeah, you're not going to buy twice as many um, twice as many cans of Coke or whatever, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you mandate that, you <laughs> have to buy. You can you can buy the middle seat at a discount if you drink twice as much. <laughs> All right. Let's take this other question here, because um, it could be interesting. I could spark an interesting discussion, Brett. What's the one yeah. biggest airline myth slash concern related to COVID nineteen that needs to be debunked? I don't know. I, I tend to think it's this uh, recycled air yeah. thing that exactly. That to me is kind of the obvious one that, you know, you get on an airplane and it is now just recycling virus <laughs> to everyone, right. which is not what's happening there. Uh, and, and in fact, the the air environment is probably safer. We talked about this a little bit uh, compared to like a restaurant where, you know, I've seen these where they've mapped out infections where yeah. the, the airflow, like just pushing it one way, someone across the restaurant could get infected whereas someone next to the person doesn't just because of the way the, the air is moving. Um, and that really isn't concern on, on aircraft. Right. Um, so to me, that, that's the number one myth, I think. I you got other ones? I totally agree with you. I mean, the this notion that, you know, aircraft are, as you said, taking, fill up with air, air the, the air we breathe on the ground and then recycle it for the next 15 hours is... is yeah. It somehow has like taken hold in the public consciousness, but it's just not true. I mean, modern aircraft have inlets all over that take take in air that's like it's it's heavily filtered. So, you know, as as Brett said, uh, you just have to look at the the there's a diag diagram floating around. I think it was in the Times of a super spreader event in a restaurant in Wuhan that based yeah. on the um, the <clears throat> the air conditioning and. Um, uh, that's just not hap going to happen on an air aircraft. I, I do have to say, as a small aside here, when is the last time you called me Brett? I don't think I've heard you call me Brett. In, you know, I don't think I years. ever have called you Brett because, like, I, 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 I was actually surprised. We've known each other what, 10, 10 or more years. Like, I was actually surprised yeah. early on that your name was Brett because I just had labeled you cranky in my head. I'm trying to clean it up for the podcast. So, so All my right. best behavior. That's fine. <laughs> um, oh, here's a good question. I mean, this is, it's not really, it's tangentially COVID related, but uh, it is interesting. What, what's the, 
I'm curious about the future of luxurious airlines, considering many airlines are selling their A380. I guess, like, this is definitely, yeah. I mean, what's the future of Etihad, Emirates, and Qatar, right? I mean, Etihad's future didn't look so good even before this. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe not a concern i mean the, the a380 isn't about luxury it's, it's about capacity and and just who wants that uh, at this point i mean emirates i guess still wants what they have but you know even they're trying to weasel out of their last five uh orders it appears um but but yeah so you know i don't think this necessarily says anything about luxury uh, in fact there could be quite a strong niche in luxury for people that don't trust uh, the lack of social distancing, well, so you, know, you have a you, you want to have your time in the uh, in the uh, the residence on Etihad, and guess what? You won't be near anyone else. Uh, and but that was a point that Delta CEO Ed Bastian made maybe a half dozen times on the most recent earning call last month, where he said, "You know, passengers will pay for a premium experience." Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think, as as Cranky said, I don't think it's a question of luxury. I think it's that the A380 is just not optimized for the networks we have now. And the well, it never was. It never was. <laughs> it was probably <laughs> twenty years too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. But uh, so the problem now, I mean, I don't think anyone should be making these decisions right now, right. because. We're in this point where people think, oh, there's a new normal. And I'm still not clear that's the case. Like, I think there will be some changes. I think people will be more aware of getting infected and, and you know, just virus transmission in general, which I think will be good. Like all these cleanliness things that the airlines have done. I think most people are like, dude, why weren't you doing this yeah. before? <laughs> like, what? Disgusting. <laughs> um, so, you know, some of those things are good, but... In a year, if there is a cure or a vaccine or whatever it is, people tend to go back to the way it was. Yeah. They forget the. Oh yeah. So I think any airline that's making like a big decision, like a hard product decision or something, right now, uh, may find that that's not the best idea. Yeah. So, I I think we need to wait to see where this actually goes with that kind of thing. But, um, but luxury travel is not going anywhere. So. Uh, you know, just what that looks like, if that changes or anything, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, back to your original point about the the, uh, the viability of like these Middle East carriers, I guess. I mean, I Emirates will be fine in one form or another. Uh, Etihad has never been fine and probably never <laughs> will be. Uh, and Qatar is fine as long as they keep getting that government money. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, although, you know, there there's something that I wanted to ask you about, and it's... Um, has to do with the cleaning procedures. And that's, it's been said that, you know, now aircraft are at the gate for longer. They're being fogged and surfaces yeah. are being wiped down. I mean, does that, does that, I mean, that, does that end the quick turn, A? And B, what is that going to do to banks, like connecting banks at, uh, at hub airports? Well, okay. First of all, define the quick turn, right? I mean, Southwest is not doing 10 minute turns no, anymore already. But like under 45 <laughs> minutes, can they do, can they clean and disinfect? Can they disembark an aircraft, clean it yeah. and then board it within 45 minutes? Yeah, I, I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, you know, how, how well can you do this? You know, can, can you arrange a procedure where you start with this 
fogging stuff, electrostatic, whatever it is uh, they talk about. You know, you get everyone off, start at the front and work your way to the back and hop off and you have people boarding while you're going back. I mean, I, I don't think some of these things take all that long. Some probably take longer. So I think it, it remains to be seen, you know, how how they can best optimize these different cleaning procedures and things like that. Oh, sorry. Now, someone's here. Oh, it's, now she's just making noise. Hey, it's not, an, so, it's not a real interview in this day and age unless someone's dog or cat makes an appearance. I know. She was asleep, too. It was all good. And now she's just on high alert. So, uh, anyway. Um. I don't know. I don't know if you can answer this one. This comes comes in from. Um, um, are any of these cleaning partnerships or pledges working? All right, come here. <laughs> this is, all right, sorry. Are any of the cleaning partnerships what? Are they working? I mean, I I, I guess. Oh, I don't know. I mean, how do you define working? Yeah. It, it's. Uh, I mean, they, they're undoubtedly doing something. I mean, like the United Clorox one, maybe is that? Yeah. I think that's interesting, right? Because first of all, they're as part of this, I mean, there's, there's advertising value for Clorox. So United's clearly getting things for less or, you know, getting more or whatever it might be. Um, so I think there's value there, but it also, this, this goes back to that idea of making people feel more comfortable. Exactly. So it's a psychological thing. Um, and I think people probably trust Clorox in that sense. Uh, I don't think of Clorox as having a negative brand image or anything like that. So, <laughs> yeah, well, now it's, you, you know, apparently you can drink it. So. <laughs> <laughs> don't drink it. Don't drink it. Don't drink. Don't drink. Please do not drink Clorox. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brett was joking. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, to your point, I think that at this point in, of where we are in the industry, as an industry, in the industry and uh, where people are in terms of travel, anything that can be done to allay passengers' fears and make them feel more comfortable, if that's a partnership with Clorox or what have, or yeah. or with Lysol or what have you, that those are valuable. So um, I, yeah. I don't know, I don't know about you know, I don't know if the to answer the the listener's question, it's not for us to say whether the Clorox branding or Lysol or what have you is any different from whatever. Air, airlines were doing to disinfect their aircraft before, but it just helps with passengers' comfort. Um, yeah, and it does ultimately. I mean, th this isn't even about COVID nineteen, right? This is about the flu or anything else. I mean, if you're stepping these things up, you're just going to make it harder to, to transmit any illness, which is good, that's a good in thing. general. Yeah, that's a good right, right. Is, Some of these things should stick, but I, I agree with what you're saying. Like if it delays things too long and it keeps airplanes on the ground for too long, then, you know, they may have to think about, well, do we need to do all of these things or just some of these things? Right. But anything that they do is good for, for keeping people healthy uh, from any illness. Yeah. So good times, yeah. but also bring your 12 ounce jug of hand sanitizer anyway, and you can splash it all over the place <laughs> if you want. And wear a mask. So, <laughs> and wear a mask. <laughs> um, okay. I want to ask this last question. We will go a little bit over, but, um, uh, it's a little bit of, it's a different, uh, it's a different, uh, it's COVID related, but, uh, it, it's not about cleanliness and that's what, what your take on LATAM's bankruptcy filing is. And I'm just going to add to that and yeah. see, are we going to see any other airline casualties because of this, uh, 
this uh, pandemic? Well, define casualties. Well, go um, away or are we going to see? Well, are we going to you know Virgin Australia, um, Latam, yeah. Avianca? Are these sort of the uh, harbingers of things to come, or were they out already ailing airlines that uh, that this was just the final straw? Well, I, I mean, I don't think they're going away. I would, I would imagine. I mean, you get Virgin Atlantic, you know, there's, there's value there. Virgin Australia, they talk about all these interested bidders, although who knows how many are actually serious. Uh, and uh, Avianca, you know, they were in really bad shape after years of horrible mismanagement. <laughs> and, you know, they, they had, a, they were trying to fix it. They have a good team down there right now, but, you know, you run out of runway at some point. But I, I do think the Latam one is kind of interesting because, they only filed for bankruptcy protection in what was it? It was the Chilean operation and maybe a couple others, but it, it wasn't Brazil right. uh, because, as I saw, I, I think they were saying that in Brazil they're looking at more government aid or government funding, and so they didn't need to do that yet. So, I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like to me yeah. is that this is. Of course. <laughs> Like I said, it's not a real interview in this uh, this day and age. I dog Man, this is not. I like to pretend I'm professional sometimes, <laughs> but not today. Um, all right, now I got her. She's over well, here. Between your dog uh, and my pandemic hair, like uh, <laughs> we really. Harsh, man. <laughs> I'm in that awkward growing back in phase after I shaved it. So, uh, right, but anyway, so. Um, so I think, you know, wh whoever is, uh, is willing to put money into, to prop up airlines, uh, countries that are willing to do that, then congratulations, you've avoided, <laughs> you've avoided bankruptcy, at least for now. Uh, but depending on what kind of support they're willing to put in, you know, that that's hard to say that it's going to avoid it forever. Uh, and, but I look at someone like Latam, they're not going away. I mean, Latam is, is the 800 pound gorilla down there and they're not going away. Like, what does that look like for them to go away? Um, you know, it, it's bankruptcy is the way to go. I, I think the things that I look for are, you know, if governments finally realize that, Hey, we should stop supporting some of these third tier uh, state owned carriers that just don't make sense. Like uh, Ecuador with Tame, they're, they're going to liquidate them. That's a perfect example. You probably should see some of this stuff in Europe. Right. I, I hate calling out individuals. I, I know what you're going to say. Just say it. Do you know? Because there's a bunch of them, though. I mean, <laughs> there's one that you, one drum you've been beating for years and years and years. Oh, that's not even what I was talking oh, yeah. about, though. I'm talking about like, like Romania. Yeah. Should they be, you know, do they really need that carrier? Uh, like, no, they don't. You know, uh, Italy should always support Alitalia, though, forever. That I think is clear. <laughs> Uh, but, but no, but there are a lot of these like mid listening to this audio and can't see Brett laughing. Um, he has been beating the drum about Alitalia for many, many, many years. Um, Alitalia is the gift that keeps on giving, <laughs> but uh, you know, and we made the case in Airline Weekly that uh, um, you know, the, the state aid was really, really a lifeline on uh, to Alitalia, like that. Which time? <laughs> this time. <laughs> oh, 
this time. I mean, it was on it. It was once again hobbled, and uh, it's kind of saved by yeah. by COVID. Oddly, as odd as that may seem. No, you're right. It's weird, right? But you're absolutely right, I think. Uh, because, you know, first of all, right before this, too, you lost Air Italy, which is helpful. Right. Uh, so it's crazy, though. Um, and let me point something out here, because I see this comment, what's wrong with Romania? <laughs> I'm not saying anything's wrong with Romania. I'm saying Romania shouldn't be supporting a state-owned airline when they have massive amounts of service from a viable airline like right. Wiz and other carriers that the state-owned airline is a waste of money. You don't need it. I would love to go to Romania for the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, someday when we can all travel again, we will. Um, Brett, I want to cranky. Yeah. I want to uh, got to leave it right there. Um, thank you for joining us. Check out crankyflyer.com for t-shirts and for Brett's Excellent insights per usual. And, um, you know, and uh, while you're at it, uh, we will be posting a replay of this uh, of this on airlineweekly.com and distributing it as a podcast later in the week, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're at our site, airlineweekly.com, if you're not a subscriber, check us out. Send us email, an email at airlineweekly at airlineweekly.com 